0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. We're continuing the series that we started last week with underrated and underappreciated moments, seasons, and games in Vikings history. And today is going to be a doozy. Percy Harvin was the first round draft pick in 2009, and he had a wild ride, including an MVP caliber start to the 2012 season. We're going to dive into that, his college career a little bit and what led to that fateful season ending prematurely and him being shipped off to the Seahawks shortly thereafter. Stay tuned. We're going to have some fun tonight. Welcome
1: to The Real Forno Show. Tyler Fornes, contributor at NBC Sports Edge, USA Today's Vikings Wire, Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks, along with being a member at Climbing the Pockets.
0: And we are live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, in the corner, is producer Dave. And I got the point right, Dave. It's it's already gotten off to a great start. (laughs) Yes, it has. How are you doing today, my friend?
1: Uh, I'm doing okay. It's a little nice and toasty down here in southern Texas. But I'm guessing it's toasty just about almost everywhere across the country. Our good buddy and friend Ted Glover is whining about how warm it is up in the St. Louis area (laughs) as well.
0: Ted would whine if he accidentally burnt his finger on a steak. Let's just be honest with ourselves here. Uh, No, we love you, Ted. But it's pretty brutal up here as well. Uh, Tomorrow there's already a heat warning, uh, and it's supposed to eclipse 100, which considering it was just in the 70s, like on Friday, um, spiking all the way up to 100 is going to be quite, Quite a big jump. We never really had spring. So going right into just a peak of summer is quite a unique turn as far as Minnesota weather. But we're used to the unexpected here. Um, so we're going to kind of get ju- uh, just jump right in, Dave. Uh, but I want to throw this at you. Um, kind of a little bit off topic, but also on topic because it's Vikings related. So there's been this narrative going around about, you know, oh, The defense just let us down completely last year because of the um, 128 points that they gave up in the last uh, two minutes of the half on both sides. I'm like, okay. So I dove in and tried to understand a little bit why. Um, And it was very, very interesting in the fact that nine times out of the 34 halves that the Vikings played, the Vikings had a three and out that led directly to points. Mm -hmm. The opposing team scored nine times for a total of 45 points. That's like, I I think we needed to completely dispel this narrative that the defense was completely at fault. Obviously, they had their own issues, but the offense not being able to stay on the field is a little bit of a frustrating one and something to at least keep in mind as we're moving forward because the offense is largely the same. Really, the only difference is Kevin O'Connell tweaking the scheme, and calling plays. There really isn't a whole lot to differ other than guys being a year older. So just something to be mindful of because I found that interesting when I looked it up.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. uh, But I suspect the tweak scheme, the more dynamic, the more pass-first, used to run as a complementary type deal, will hopefully garner the Vikings some better results.
0: I hope so. I really do. And who provided uh, better results? Percy Harvin did the second he stepped into the National Football League. So let's kind of dive into Percy Harvin. Um, And I think we have to start his 2012 uh, Hall of Fame candidacy. We really have to start it with his freshman year at Florida. His freshman year at Florida, 2006, came in, and that team ended up winning a national championship, largely because of contributions of guys like Percy Harvin. Coming in as a five-star to Virginia Beach and viewed as, like I think he was the number one receiver in his class. He didn't come in and play receiver. He was a little bit of a scat back. He did everything. They put him in the backfield. They put him in the slot. They put him on wide. They wanted to get him the football, and they did. And they were consistent about it. And the longer his career Florida went on, the more they got him the ball in the backfield. And he was just a dynamic weapon, and he was really good in the return game too. Uh, And the Gators in those days, obviously, it was the Tim Tebow era. And we all know uh, how great some of those teams were, and you can love or hate Tebow, that's fine. Um, His NFL career and his religion really have nothing to do with how much fun those teams were in the late 2000s under Urban Meyer even though it was a team laden with convicts, um, something that's going to make for a fantastic, (laughs) fantastic 30 for 30 um, in five to 10 years when they finally get around to doing one. Um, This is
1: speaking of uh, that team. I watched an interview today with, I'm trying to remember who it was, but three NFL type players um, talking about that specific team. And Mm -hmm. they asked who is the best player on that squad, and it, they were unanimous. It was Percy. He said, Percy made Tim Tebow, and how they could do it. He was just so dynamic and mm-hmm. able to catch the ball, run the ball, anything they asked. It was Percy. So,
0: yeah, you're not the only it, one it that was feels a- that way. Yeah, it was 100% Percy. Um, the only other guy that you could really make an argument that was the best player on the team was cornerback Joe Hayden. Hayden was incredible. High school quarterback, five star athlete coming out. They decided to move him to the secondary. Started his freshman season and then was a first round draft pick in that same 2009 draft. Steve, that is not the first time we I have heard that from somebody today. We are going to talk about it because the usage of Percy Harvin is honestly, I believe, the genesis of a Debo Samuel type player because we just did not see it. The only one I could really think of that was used in that similar way before Percy. You remember, Dave, you remember the name Eric Metcalf? Yes. Eric Metcalf was the first guy I remember truly being used in that Debo-esque type role, and he was very good at it. He was an elite returner, shared some of the same qualities that Percy did. And as you kind of build the case of uh, this MVP season, you know we're going to really dive into that. Nick, Aaron Hernandez was on that team. And at the time, he, in the moment, he was one of my favorite Gators. He was, they used him in such a special way, and he was just an elite-level athlete. It's, a, it's just a damn shame what happened after football, um, what happened in his personal life that took him away from the game and took people's lives. But uh, they, they were, it's really, really, really hard to watch some of those games now for me, even though it's one of the best times of my life. But anyways, yeah, Eric Metcalf was kind of the genesis of this style of player. And Urban Meyer utilized him in such a great facet because not a lot of people were using hybrid-type players. Hybrid-type players were, up until very recently, kind of viewed as a negative because you weren't really viewed as a player that could do anything really well. You just did a lot of things. That doesn't mean you can do anything really well. As I kind of alluded to there, and Percy was different. He wasn't on an elite elite receiver, but he was phenomenal with the ball in space. You you got him the ball on short routes, deep routes. You got him the ball out of the backfield. He was going to make a difference. Multiple kick return touchdowns in his career, including I believe wow. one in his total. Yeah, I think he had with one in his first ever game with the mm-hmm. Vikings, and a lot of people remember his. Uh, Kick return uh, up 22-0 against the Denver Broncos to kick off the second half of the Super Bowl. Um, Harvin was an electric player from start to finish, and what he was able to do was truly, truly impressive. Um, But his time at Florida, and this part I think is really going to play into it because we're going to dive into this at the very end of that 2012 season. He had a lot of ankle injuries. And he had a really bad one that he suffered against Florida State in 2006 that kept him out of the 2006 game, SEC title game, against Arkansas. I have to I have to look that up because he had an ankle injury before the 2006 and 2008 games. Ah.
1: Well, like any joint injury where you have ligament springs, there's mm-hmm. degrees to it, and it's – how bad and where, whether it be a high ankle sprain further up the calf or low ankle sprain around the ankle, like happens a lot when you step on a rock funny and roll your ankle. Um, mm-hmm. I know when we get to 2012, it was a grade three. He had a complete tear. And that's what he yes. ended up ending that season for him. That's mm-hmm. that's hard to deal with. and. Even though it was 2012, they didn't have the medicine that they do today, 10 years later, that can help sort of that stuff and repair some of that stuff. And you're talking 2006 when he was playing with Florida. And it's even mm-hmm. less than, you know, it's, ice it. you know, sit in a tub, see what you can do. and
0: uh, Yeah. So noodles. he did, he, he played against Arkansas. He did not play against Alabama in the 08. SEC title game. I had I had my games mixed up because at Arkansas, he torched them. Had a 62, sorry, it was like a 70-some yard touchdown run to really just break the game open and put Arkansas away, which ended up catapulting them into the national championship game. And he, he was a big factor in the receiving game in the, that national championship game, 9 for 60. Had a rushing touchdown as well, but Florida just absolutely torched them. And then the 2008 National Championship game against Oklahoma, he was the star on offense. Um, Nine rushes for 122 yards and a touchdown along with five for 49 through the air. And if you remember that game, there wasn't a lot of offense. It was Major Wright set the tone early with one of the gnarliest hits you'll ever see that if you ever just need to get jacked up, like, like you remember the segments jacked up. Like that's a jacked up hit. Just boom like dunzo, and Harvin was kind of the lifeblood of that team. And he was able to do a lot for them. And I think the fact that he kept having ankle injuries throughout his college career is going to play into his pro career. Um, and his pro career kind of got off to an interesting start because there were a lot of questions about him as marijuana usage coming out of college. And that plays into those migraines, Dave, because Um, We know the health benefits that THC does currently have. Back then, it was more, hey, you just want to get high, buddy. Like Cheech and Chong. It it wasn't nearly as open and accepting as it is today. Uh, Whether fair or foul, that's just what the culture was. And that needs to be taken into consideration here. Brad Childress and management flew to Virginia Beach to talk to Percy's grandma. And get a sense for who the kid was the reports came out the day before the draft and they ended up taking him at 18th overall and he made an immediate impact. Uh, one of his best plays was against the Green Bay Packers where he made that acrobatic catch and just took it about 40 yards um, out from that catch for a touchdown and Harvin was a difference maker from day one they were able to get uh, have multiple good receivers. With Bernard Barrian end up being that third guy. And as a third guy, that role is really well suited for him. And you had Sidney Rice with his breakout year with Brett Favre. You know, that team was really special. He was able to blossom. I believe he was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Fact check me on that. He was. Mm-hmm. And, and not only
1: was he the Offensive Roy, he also won some special team awards that year as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I believe uh, – was he a pro bowler in his rookie uh, year as a special teamer?
1: Yes, he was. He was yep. pro bowl. I don't know if he was a special teamer, but he made the pro bowl.
0: Mm-hmm. And back then, people, even players, gave more of a crap about uh, the pro bowl. Um, mm-hmm. And Harvin, being that he was a returner, still got to play offense because they allowed those guys to play their respective positions on offense too, which – only helped him grow and get better faster. 2010 was obviously mostly a disaster from all fronts. Hard to really put any uh, blame or homage on Harvin. 2011, he had quietly requested a trade because he was very frustrated with the usage that he had. And he wasn't really used in any particular role. They were just kind of... 2011 was a bad year. Donovan McNabb was the quarterback, like... Leslie Frazier just taken over, and he was not an offensive maven. And all of a sudden, yeah, you got a very frustrated star player, and Adrian Peterson's kind of getting the lion's share of the touches. And what ended up being kind of the genesis of him taking that next step is they benched Donovan McNabb.
1: Deservedly so.
0: Oh, deservedly so. Donovan McNabb uh, was like, like, if you remember playing backyard football as a kid, and you had Jorge Garcia who was just like a prim and proper he was basically portrayed as a nerd couldn't do anything on the field replacing him with Pablo Sanchez and then all of a sudden hey we can do things again like Christian Ponder wasn't that good but the just the difference in quality of play was evident even with a rookie Christian Ponder hey, but they now, also made
1: Donovan McNabb had a good career and he was a very oh, yeah. good quarterback for a long time mm-hmm. but by the you time he got to the vikings and throwing the worm burners all the time
0: you could argue he's a french hall of famer like he had that good of yeah. a career four straight nfc championship game appearances one super bowl and that super bowl they were incredibly competitive with the two-time champion new england patriots and the patriots squeaked out a win and got them to go back-to-back. But if you have a healthy Terrell Owens in that game, he already put up like six for 138. A healthy Terrell Owens, uh, that's they probably end up getting that Super Bowl. And uh, Steve, um, which year? 2011? Because they brought him back in 2010. I don't think they were trying to bring him back um, after that. Um, Dave, do you remember anything like that?
1: No, I do not. This exactly. was a busy time in my life during these years.
0: Oh, it was a busy time for me too. Um, I was figuring out how to be a working adult. Um, Joseph, <laughs> welcome to the show. I am drinking a beer out of Chicago that I've been trying to find for months called Gummy Apocalypse, and it is a Northeast oh, that IPA. <laughs> no, Dave, Dave, it's 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 a it's a Northeast style IPA. It's eight point one percent. It's really good. It's not like gummy worms. It's, okay. It's just a really good beer.
1: Okay. And Joseph, I'm have, bourbon.
0: Yeah. What kind of bourbon, Dave?
1: It's uh, Old Barton.
0: Oh, Barton's good. Nice. It's a nice. Um, I've. You,
1: it's got a little bit of bite, but I like that. It, it's 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 real. It's decent, neat for a cheap bourbon. It's decent, neat, and it's great mixed.
0: I, I just spent um, a lot of money on a bottle this weekend because I was able to find it. Um, Nick, it is an IPA. Um, we we got a barrel pick from Barrel Bourbon, um, uh, a blend of three different bourbons aged in a Bordeaux barrel, and it is oh, it's tremendous. Um, if uh, I uh, if I wouldn't have tasted it, I wouldn't have bought it. But oh my gosh, is it worth it? But anyways, <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna kind of. Um, and to continue the conversation, because I, I, I run a liquor store in my free time, so I could talk about this all day. But, um, Chris, you wouldn't like it because you don't actually like beer. You only like Bud Light. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, there's worse macros than Bud Light.
0: Oh, yeah. It's called Lost Lake Light. I've, I've had <laughs> it. It's gross. Anyways, uh, enough enough beer conversation. We are going to continue talking 2011. Percy kind of got his swag back because they started using him as a safety blanket in the in that Debo Samuel type role. And quite frankly, we shouldn't call it the Debo role because it would not shock me if Kyle Shanahan got this role specifically from watching um, the Vic- Percy Harvin era Vikings. Because one thing you'll notice for all the great coaches, a lot of them are innovative. Mm-hmm. They don't their ideas don't originate completely organically. They're dorks like us. They love watching old football and they watch old football and they take it and then they um, extrapolate it into their own thing. And I think this role uh, was extrapolated by Kyle Shanahan. Um, this is all conjecture. so well, don't go th- quoting me.
1: At the beginning of the 2012, the Vikings needed a little something. Because Adrian was recovering, you know, from his
0: knee. mm -hmm. He was recovering from the knee, but it ended up, uh, didn't even, it didn't really even need to because he, he came out of the gates and just went to town and Adrian Peterson had an absolutely special, special season. Um, but, the first half of that season, Adrian Peterson wasn't even talked about as being the star of the team. It was Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, there are multiple articles after the first four weeks of the year. Um, I have a couple pulled up. Uh, um, one by Chris Burke of Sports Illustrated. One by Kevin Seaford of ESPN. One by Chris Shad, uh, who uh, right now writes for Zone Coverage and hosts the Homer Horner. Homer Horn podcasts have been on a couple times. He was writing for Bleach Report at the time. All of them discuss this motif that Percy Harvin was an MVP candidate. And it sounds a little absurd because the 2012 season is known for Adrian Peterson. But it was very interesting because Adrian Peterson was good. He came back and looked normal, but he wasn't necessarily a freak.
1: Right. And, no. And then in the first two games, he wasn't quite even. Normal, Adrian. He was – you were watching him kick off the rust and get – can I trust it? Can I trust my leg? And then then it was normal. He didn't pick up until that stretch run, second half of the season. Mm-hmm.
0: And he needed yeah, to. Yeah, he didn't. Leave. Yep. Um, so, Percy Harvin, just, just in his six games, had an absolutely absurd stat line. Uh, he had 600 yards uh, through the air, 98 on the ground. He only had five total touchdowns, but three kick receiving, one rushing, and one kick return. That yeah, He was absolutely phenomenal. And he was honestly doing it without much help because they had Michael Jenkins. Um, they had, uh, I think, the tail end of Vasanthe Shenko, but he had 85 targets in his first nine games. It was only nine games. That's an absurdly high rate for any player in that time frame.
1: Right, and like he came Stephon out on Diggs. And let me, yeah. let um, me. I looked up those numbers too. Sixty-two mm-hmm. receptions for six hundred and seventy-seven yards in eight and a half games. Yep. Right. Yeah. He had sixteen returns for kickoff for a total of five hundred and seventy-four return yards including the 105 yard touchdown run and he had 96 yards out of the backfield on only 22 carries this is all before he sprains his ankle in game in game nine
0: yeah i i think the most absurd stat of them all dave over those 16 returns, an average return of 35.9 yards. That's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Like That's the kind of stuff that Cordero Patterson uh, did over like a three-game stretch. Devin Hester would do over a three-game stretch because he had four kick-return touchdowns. Harvin had one kick-return touchdown and put up those numbers over 16 returns. That's a damn good sample size. That's an average of about two returns a game, and you're putting up those numbers. That is really the epitome of why he was an MVP candidate because he was so damn explosive. A lot of his targets were bubble screens, and because they were bubble screens, you're not getting a lot of average depth target, and you're really trusting Harvin to get a lot of yards after the catch. With Ponder's inefficiency to really push the ball down the field and really make an impact as a passer, we really relied on Harden to keep the pressure off of Adrian Peterson, and he did a great job of it by making the most out of nothing. And the biggest play of them all was, I believe it was week eight against the Tennessee Titans. It's the one that's been gift to absolute death, Dave, where he gets the bubble screen, and then he goes with Chris Berman out, whoop, and then he goes in, whoop, and then he takes it in for a touchdown from like 15 yards out. Just a tremendous, tremendous play from a tremendous football player. Percy Harvin was special, and really that epitomized it.
1: hmm Oh, it did. Absolutely. And if if you want to look, if the viewers want to look, go look up Percy Harvin on YouTube. For per- Put in Percy Harvin Vikings, and uh, you will get to see all of his touchdowns. There's some video compilations to that. And the one thing I noticed when he runs... It looks like he doesn't want to be touched, right? <laughs> so he's obviously looking to get in open field. And he uses his blockers well. He's had great vision. And he could see where his block was set up and when to cut back. And those are things that not too many players have that sort of special ability. And he could scoot, you know, he could be running and then suddenly see something and there was another almost gear and it was like a scoot and it's like you know quick burst of speed and boom he was in the end zone and it was wonderful
0: oh it was great and let me tell you i own a lot of jerseys and it was something that i kind of started a collection and you can see two of them behind me i have one more jersey that's ready to be framed that's a percy harvin florida gator autograph jersey i love harvin he was one of my favorite gators of all time and the second that he got drafted, one, I was ecstatic and I was like freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, my, like one of my favorite players from my favorite college team is now on my favorite pro team. It's going to be awesome. I waited for the press conference. The second they announced his name and number, I went on NFLshop.com, bought me a custom jersey for $85, which man, with jerseys be at 85 bucks, be nice right now. <laughs> um, and uh, it was, it's still one of my favorite jerseys and like. To, to watch him come into the NFL and have this kind of success it was really, really cool for me because I knew if coordinators figured out how to maximize this player, he, he's deadly with the ball in his hands and has that vision to be able to take take it to the house from anywhere on the field. But along with that vision, there's something we have to talk about with Percy, migraines. Mm-hmm. And they they were really prevalent in his first couple of years. But obviously we know that uh, Brad Childress was not exactly what you would call a player's coach. He wasn't exactly what you would call a good coach. He had a good vision. And then that was about it because he really couldn't enact it. Um, he had management that was able to really build those the offense and defensive lines. And they did a great job of doing so. And it honestly carried them to that 2009 NFC Championship game birth. But Childress had a lot of issues, and one of them was – and Percy Harvin ended up being one of them because Harvin did not like him and there were um kind of like rumors that the migraines were really just an fu to Brad Childress and he missed a lot of practices he missed a couple of games because of them mm-hmm. and the migraines Dave he was healed from those migraines after 2010 it, it was it was a miracle
1: uh like, no 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 there was I remember. One day in practice, and I don't remember if it was 2012 or one of the other years, he passed out because of his migraines. It was so bad. And uh, they were debilitating. And he had it real bad. Now, I wish they had some of the drugs that they do now that help with migraines for those that have severe migraines and known people that have had them. Um, and it can be miserable. Now, his... Approach to uh, Chile, I think, is dead on. There's a lot of players that didn't like him. Uh, But he still had migraine issues when he went to Seattle afterwards.
0: He did it. I I remember the migraines really dying off the second that. uh,
1: Childress was fired.
0: Yeah, I remember them not really being an issue
1: see I do and it's and it's the other years after 12 uh well 13 he only played the one game that got traded uh or he got traded after that season and then 14 he was traded but and then he I want to say he even had him up in Buffalo towards the end of his career but I may be wrong but that's that's what I remember and it's it's one of those things they've gotten better and better at treating him. And, it, and the key to a migraine is if you feel it coming on, treat it immediately. Mm-hmm. Knock it out because it'll 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 mess you up.
0: Yeah, um, Joseph, I I do need to uh do, do need to correct you. Um, that kickoff return one was only fifty eight yards. It was not a touchdown. The only other game he played was the Super Bowl, and that was where he got that return touchdown. So. Um, yes, uh, those sea chickens of which I am now writing for. So I, I have to like, them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to like them. I, that was one of the reasons why I applied was because I don't have any feelings towards the Seahawks and All it's, you gotta
1: do be as an observer and report on yeah. what you see.
0: Yeah. And I think it'll be a good learning opportunity for me in order to get better. And then better serve you, Joseph, where I know you are having a drink, I believe, in Florida right now. So enjoy, my man, because they don't come around too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are we kidding? They come around every damn day, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing because we live in America. Um, but let, let's get back on the topic of Percy Harvin, because as we mentioned earlier, I could talk about booze all day. Um, <laughs> so we have the migraines, and they lasted for longer than I remember, but... That that sprained ankle, um, Mm -hmm. this is going to be that point of contention because he sprained it, uh, I believe it was against the Tennessee Titans um, in that that game where I talked about how he had that fantastic, fantastic play to score a touchdown. Um,
1: According to the record, he sprained it it against Seattle in week nine.
0: Oh, it was against Seattle. I thought, Mm -hmm. okay. So he sprained it against Yeah, he may have
1: lightly sprained it against Tennessee, but in week nine against yeah. Seattle, he did a grade three sprain. He tore the ligament.
0: Okay. Because I, I thought I remembered um, him, sp- him spraining it early, and then in Seattle he tried to play, and then that's when stuff kind of hit the fan. Mm-hmm. But either way, he does against Seattle. He and Leslie Frazier have a war of words on the sidelines. He doesn't participate in any full practice the rest of the year. And in December, right before the Chicago game, they placed him on injured reserve. It's kind of weird 5th. that they place him on injured reserve after three weeks of not being on injured reserve. Now, remember, this was a different time. You didn't have an, a, a spot on injured reserve where you could just take guys off. Like, this was – There, you might have had the eight-week rule – um, at this way, at this time, where you had to sit out eight weeks, and then you can come back off. But not only that, the Vikings had a bye week built into here. Um, they played the Lions right after the Seahawks, and then they had a bye before they had Chicago and Green Bay. So they had a lot of time to really get this thing figured out. It came out about two weeks later that Harvin and Frazier had a war of words in the weight room, mm-hmm. and it was reported that he threw a weight at Leslie Frazier, and there wasn't necessarily a confirmation that this was the reason why he got put on injured reserve because of those outside factors, but I'll tell you, it probably didn't help his cause <laughs> that he threw a weight in the weight room at his head coach. Uh, that's that's never a good thing, so that ended up being the end of his tenure with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, shortly well, after that.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, after that, the Vikings uh, he, he requested a trade, and uh, Rick Spielman had that famous line: "We will not be trading Percy Harvin," and then he trades him for a first, third, and seventh, which ended up being a very good haul, consider especially when you consider what Percy Harvin did after uh, those um, those seasons with the Vikings, because in his after the vikings he had two receiving touchdowns one rushing touchdown and then just just in receptions he only had 18 in his, sorry 19 in his career mm-hmm. oh no i'm reading the wrong things no he he had like 120 not exactly what you would call a fruitful career for a guy who was a star and got traded and then paid like a star. This was a guy who ended up just having injury issues. The one that really debilitated him was a hip injury that he sustained with the Seahawks that kept him out for almost that entire year. And then really, he never could get back on track. The Seahawks cut him halfway into... They either cut him or traded him to the Jets after 2014. And then he was in Buffalo in 2015 2016. And that was kind of it for young Percy Harvin. Um, he could never really um, figure it out. Um, Joseph, I can look it up, but I can tell you with certainty. Got it right here. Okay. I believe one of them was Sharif Floyd.
1: Nope.
0: It was, it was Xavier Rhodes then.
1: Xavier Rhodes in uh, round one, round seven, and uh, we got Travis Bond. Who lasted okay. all of five seconds, and in the third round in 2014 went to Jarek McKinnon,
0: and McKinnon ended up being a very valuable player for that 2017 team. So, <clears throat> considering the return, you get an All Pro corner for yeah. one year, and Xavier Rhodes, who kind of lost it, but he was vi- he was one of the he best, was very good for a game. while.
1: I mean, yeah. Zimmer came in, got him up to shut down premier corner status. He stayed that Mm -hmm. way for a few years, and then he fell off the cliff.
0: Yep, and Jarek McKinnon was a very good player Mm -hmm. for four years uh, with the Vikings, and then he had those two ACL injuries with the 49ers that kind of just derailed because he was primed to have a great uh, time with the 49ers in that offense just could never figure it out, but now he's landed with the Kansas City Chiefs and he's doing well. Bond was just another dart throw at an offensive lineman, hoping to strike gold, which the Vikings did a lot uh, for um, in the those areas, and they kind of still do throwing darts at those late round linemen, athletes that uh, you hopefully can develop and turn it into something. They got two All Pro centers out of it, and Matt Burke and John Sullivan. So it's not impossible. The hit rate for late round offensive linemen is higher than most positions. Mm-hmm just due to the nature of what it is. There are guys who can survive without being great athletes because they have great strength and technique and vice versa. So you can find those gems, but we're kind of drifting a little off topic. And that whole process uh, through the end of 2012 into the trade itself was a very tumultuous one because the Vikings were just coming off a 10 and six season. They beat green Bay to get into the playoffs. Then Christian Ponder gets hurt. And, he he really never turns around in any kind of form. They bench him for Matt Castle, and he never starts a game again. And then in 2014, they take Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it really it was a really frustrating one because if Percy Harvin was able to heal up and and get fully healthy, that 2012 team, even with Joe Webb at quarterback, might have been able to give the Packers a run for their money because of what Percy Harvin was able to do with those short throws and getting those bubble screens and crossers and taking them into something. Um, A really, really tough um, end to his career. And Dave, as you kind of gaze upon his career as a Viking, kind of what are your big lasting impressions? Because I have a completely different scope from you. I have way more investment into the young man because of his time at the University of Florida, my favorite college. But his time was a very unique one because of all the off-field stuff that surrounded it. And considering he was a, considered a big pot smoker in college, and that was a big reason why he was falling in the draft, he didn't have any of those issues with the Vikings or in the NFL. It was hmm. all in the building stuff.
1: Right. I I think Percy was dynamic. I think Percy was a character. I think Percy did not like some of the, whether it be Childress or Frazier, some of the things that were coming out of that that style of coaching, especially the offensive scheme and how to utilize him. I think Percy had some diva in him. He very much wanted the ball. And Percy, Percy was great. Brett Favre, Sings all sorts of praises over Percy, and they got along fantastic. It's, I think it's I think it's who he was. He dealt with his own demons. Part of that being the migraines. Part of that being weak ankles, if you want to talk about that way, and the propensity to get sprained ankles. But Percy was so dynamic, so fun to watch. Because literally, any time he touched the ball, he could be gone. And it it was, like I said, a sort of like scoop. he's not a small guy. Um, It's just, it was a shame it ended the way it did. And I wish I put in the write-up, you know, what if, if Percy had stayed healthy, if Percy had stayed a Viking, I think this man we'd be talking up there, you know, as one of the greatest Vikings receivers in that group of them, and we've got quite a group, But in the group of them, as that. However, it didn't. Those little things nicked and tugged and yanked at him and his off-field stuff and his personality quirks and how he dealt with different figures of authority that didn't go quite right because, you know, one was an asshole and one was this or one was that. It's a shame. I wished him luck. I'm glad he won a Super Bowl, got to participate in that. And uh, I I believe now he's retired. And, you know, it it was a fun moment. He was fun to watch. He's not my biggest memory of 2012, but he was fun to watch.
0: No, he wasn't my biggest memory of 2012. Obviously, Adrian Peterson is. And Adrian Peterson specifically, that game against the Green Bay Packers in Week 17, to me, is the most impr- is arguably the most impressive performance in Vikings history considering the stakes considering the situation and and then you amplify it with the performance mm-hmm. like age everybody knew Adrian Peterson was going to get the ball 30 to 40 times he was so close to 1000 yards he was so close to Eric Dickerson's rushing record no, he's and considering so close how many
1: 2000 yards
0: yeah mm-hmm. um it was like all those things considered, and then he puts 199 yards up, gets a touchdown, and literally puts the Vikings on his back, um, in the words of my, my good friend Eric Myers. Put the team on his back, though. And he took the Vikings all the way to the playoffs in spite of Christian Ponder, in spite of a a defense that was good but not great, in spite of like a receiving core that, minus Percy Harvin, was a big pile of mm-hmm. meh. He <laughs> carried that team. With a meh quarterback. Back. Yeah. Um, and Ponder had two streaks of four games where he was pretty good. And there was hope, like, maybe this guy can be something. Maybe year three, everything will click. And it did. But Peterson's performance in that season was incredible. But it's we really shouldn't forget the type of impact that Percy Harvin had for this Minnesota Vikings team because he took things to a different level and he really showed offensive coordinators and it took a long time. And Eric Metcalf is obviously the first guy, but that you could be a true versatile weapon in every sense of the word and figure it out. And you just get the ball in their hands and let them do work. Mm -hmm. And it really worked out well for all parties involved. Uh, and like I wish we could have gotten more time with him because if the Vikings would have been able to have him in a North Turner system, I think Turner, even though he failed with Patterson, Percy was a better true receiver than Cordell Patterson ever was. I think he could have been able to utilize him in a way that could have been really, really fun and help, help that 2015 team not only win the division, but potentially even get a bye and eclipse that 11-5 and five mark.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's that like, about? What's that about? It's, it's just a sad one. Um, before we kind of finish up here, um, I do want to give a big shout-out to our good friends at Lake, Lake Monster, Monster Brewing. Brewing. Boom. You see that in the corner, guys? Yeah, my, my finger's a little wonky. There it is. There it is. All right. Lake Monster Brewing, our friends in St. Paul. If you haven't been to Lake Monster Brewing yet, I high, high recommend you go. Tremendous people behind the bar and that brew the beer. And they brew some really good stuff. Um, I am bringing up some Lake Monster beer to the lake when I go up with my friends next week. We've got some rare species. We've got the apricot ghosts. And it's it's just really good stuff from really good people. And in today's market, help the good guys. Support the good guys. And that's what we do here and they, in turn, support us. You've got Dave Rock in the hat up in the top corner there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, go drink their beer. You will not be disappointed. They have one of the odder beers I've ever had, a hot apple cider ale. Like, and when that comes back, make sure you check it out because it is one of the most unique ales I've ever found because it's genuinely warm. It, but it it's a beer. Um, uh, It is a true recommend. Um, They're rare species. I know, Dave, you've had it. It's very, very good. Mm -hmm. Um, I love a good, crisp, clean IPA, and that does the job. Uh, Mm -hmm. Make sure you give our friends at Lake Monster a shout. Follow them on social media. Support them. They do deliver. Um, They will mail you beer, as they have done for Dave multiple times. So inquire about that, even if you're out of state. I know some of you are. Uh, Drew, Joseph, Nick, Chris, call them up. Get some beer shipped out to you. Uh, let's let's help our friends at Lake Monster out because they've done so much for this, this show and this network. Now, let's kind of finish it off. Uh, that trade, we already um, mentioned it, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of looking back on it, do you think, considering where Percy was at the time and everything, did the Vikings get compensatory value. Did they get good enough value for the player?
1: At the time, yes. No, without a doubt. It was... There wasn't anything in the building that was going to turn Percy's attitude around and he had the health issues. And No, it was... At the time, it was a good return. You generally don't get that for a wide receiver. Especially one that missed half a season. That's... I I would say that was a good trade. And it was right at the end. We already know Spielman said we're not going to trade him. Well, that's when desperation came in from Seattle. And so we took it.
0: Yeah, and I think it was a good trade too. And it really set the table for the Vikings to make that run in 2017 and almost make the Super Bowl. And – Big trades can do that if you end up hitting on those picks. And I think that's one thing with this Stefan Diggs trade that you can extrapolate from the Vikings hit big time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they got, they he got Justin Jefferson thing. for Stephon Diggs, but they also got Cam Bynum who looks like he could be a very, very good player. And because of that, this That Stephon Diggs trade could become the genesis of that next run in a different way, shape, and form. So it, that's going to be something to really keep an eye on. The Vikings have not always had the best luck in trades. Obviously, we know Herschel Walker. The Randy Moss trade really netted them a bunch of nothing. But the Brad Johnson trade got them Dante Culpepper, and that catapulted the next era of Vikings hoop off to a banging start in 2000. So will this, will this define big do the same thing? It's going to be really fun to kind of keep our eyes on moving forward. Um, Drew, I do see you in the era, Percy Harvin best college shape you've ever seen. I remember there was real debate uh, between with him, Tavon Austin and Jeremy Macklin. Um, I think Tavon Austin stayed an extra year. But Austin and Harvin were used such similar players, and Jeremy Macklin was more of a true wide receiver, but viewed as a also a dynamic weapon on the outside. Uh, there, that was a good era for smaller, space-eating wide receivers when it came to the ball in their hands. And it there was, there was a lot of fun to watch college football in those days, let me tell you.
1: Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to see Percy play in 2014 with Teddy. I think that would have been dynamic,
0: mhm oh it would have it would have been great because I think that the Teddy would have been able to kind of utilize him to his peak and you still had Adrian Peterson in the backfield, man, that would have been fun, but mm-hmm. that is a what if Steve Austin was tagged as a gadget guy, and the biggest issue um with Tavon Austin was his size wasn't even his skill set he was a, just a small dude and because he was a small dude it it just caused the issues and you've seen him bounce around from team to team but everywhere he goes he plays relatively well it's not like he's a bad football player so there's there's a lot of different things that to take into consideration with these guys but I think you still have to rank Percy Harvin at the top even though he had the shortest career of all of them because he peaked as the absolute best. Of all of them. Um, Jeremy Macklin got the biggest contract. but It wasn't by that much. And Andy Reid just honestly overpaid. And he lost a third-round pick due to tampering. So, like, I think if, if we had to take them all, it'd be Percy. Um, Percy, I think, in today's NFL would be even better. Because offenses are way more creative. The defenses have shifted to playing much more of, like, this year we're going to see a lot of too high and a guy like Percy, get him like a like a five to ten yard in route and just let him do stuff. That's the kind of player that you're going to really see focused on in drafts because that guy can get open no matter what, and then he can do things after the catch because mm-hmm. it's not going to be as simple as just sending a guy deep anymore. You're still going to have that, and there's still going to be success with it, but teams are seeing the value. Analytics are telling us what the value is, and they're trying to take that away. Guys like Percy Harvin are, are going to be considered more valuable. That's why you have have the conversations you do surrounding Debo Samuel, because Samuel is a guy who can be played as a scat back, a running back, a true wide receiver in both an X and the um, and in the slot. Like These guys are becoming inherently more valuable.
1: No, not what? Chad Beebe,
0: Purple Oh, Chad Beebe. Chad Beebe is now the Texans' problem, so... We're good there. Um, Oh, uh, Percy with JJ would have been incredible, Steve. And I could go on and on about Percy Harvin for days and how he could be used in today's game. But honestly, all you have to do is watch Debo Samuel. And if you watch Debo Samuel play football, Percy Harvin would be just as good. And especially with Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Debo's great. And there isn't one Debo. There's Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin was the original Debo. And you could argue that um, Eric Metcalf was the original Percy Harvin. So it, he was just a guy that came a little too early before his time. Peter Works, the guy that did the same as well. Just, it's frustrating to see guys come in before the genesis of what they could have been. Like, Dave, imagine John Elway in today's NFL. Would he be better than Patrick Mahomes? The answer is not immediately no. It's a fascinating conversation Mm -hmm. because Elway had insane arm talent and the ability to just lift garbage up and take him to a Super Bowl. People my age forget how good he was in the 80s because he dragged lifeless Broncos teams to Super Bowls because when he got to um, those two Super Bowls in the late, like the mid-late 90s. You're talking about Rod Smith. Like, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer for anybody who was undrafted. You had Terrell Davis, who is a Hall of Famer. You had an offensive line, like, the wide zone was brand new and it was dominating teams. Mm -hmm. Um, You had Shannon Sharp, Hall of Fame tight end. Ed McCaffrey was a very good receiver throughout the course of his 12 year career. And then you had a loaded defense, Bill Romanowski. Trevor Price, Neil Smith came over from Kansas City for those two years to win a ring. You had a uh, trailer, Darian Gordon, my favorite, one of my favorite players of all time. Steve Atwater finally got into the Hall of Fame as safety. That team was, those teams were loaded. And people think, oh, Elway played with these great teams. No, they finally were able to build those great teams around him at the end of his career because he dragged lifeless teams to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, Steve, Elway would uh, spit nails. Um, Joseph, no, no, don't give me that hopium, man. I, I swear, I don't need that right now. If <laughs> Richardson pans out and he becomes a Viking, I will be absolutely insufferable on this show. Just a- Anthony Richardson propaganda day in and day out. So we don't need to go there yet because Anthony Richardson still needs to prove he's a, he's a capable starter, even though the flashes are insane. Um, <laughs> Dave, that's all I got, man. We This is a really fun show talking about one of my favorite players of all time in Percy Harvin and how his MVP season truly should not be forgotten because of how incredible it was especially for the time.
1: Mhm. Yep. So, and it was it was, it was it was he was fun to watch. Absolutely fun to watch.
0: He really was. Um so what were you if- say on Mondays well, we, we got a couple more things to get to first. Oh, okay. uh, what do we got the rest of the week? Nothing.
1: Not until Saturday no. when you have two old bloggers, me and Darren. Well,
0: hey, let, let me tell you, I'm proud of us, Dave, that you and I uh, can uh, carry the network here during the offseason. <laughs>
1: That's um, right. Somebody's I, got um, to.
0: <laughs> major shout-out to Darren as well because I know he's doing a great job with you on Two Old Bloggers. Um, do you want to plug your show here real quick, tell the people what you have planned for this weekend?
1: We haven't we haven't figured it out. We just we started with one All thing. Right. We may go into uh, how it came out today. It was our good friend Will Raggetts wrote a piece on how Cameron Dantzler ranked top ten as a corner and quite a few metrics last year. So we may be looking at the cornerbacks as one of our themes this year or this week.
0: Okay. All right. Um. Before we go, I'll say two things. One, I am taking recommendations for next week. I have a few ideas, but if you have something that you want to hear us <laughs> talk about. There's one
1: right there. There's <laughs> one I'll the doors.
0: There we go. Um, yeah, we, we can definitely do that, especially um, we can do a, a coping and a hopium segment <laughs> on what you should do for celebration and what you should do for pain relief. Um, if you have some ideas on kind of underrated moments that you want to hear us talk about on the show. Please feel free to shoot us a DM. You can do it um, at climb underscore the pocket or at the real forno. My DMs are open and I'm always uh, listening to ideas uh, for the show. Um, And then Nick, a good beer recommendation nationwide. You know, that's a really good question. Um, It depends what you like,
1: Nick. If you like IPAs, do you prefer East Coast or West Coast?
0: He did say that he has been on an IPA kick at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. So, if I were to get a nationwide IPA uh, preference, um, <laughs> the Sea Gazette, Joseph, Ooh. it's a uh, Sports Illustrated. It's all Seahawks. I'm I get to write for Sports Illustrated and have that on my byline forever. That's really freaking cool. Um, West Coast style IPAs. Lagunitas is a great staple. Um, oh, it's-
1: Lagunitas. They're, they make some they're they're very very good beer.
0: Yes, um, I'm I'm a big fan of Little Something Some Ale. Uh, mm-hmm. If you so can find Surly Furious, there I think they're in like 37 states. I don't know if they're in Arizona, Nick. I would re- give them a big recommendation. Um, if you are ever come to Minnesota, I will give you a lot of really good local recommendations. I've got a ton of them. Um, Huey from Lupulin, tremendous. I'm drinking right now Noon Whistle Gummy. Apocalypse, awesome stuff. It's out of Chicago. Um, l- let let me tell you, um, it's it's so good. Uh, I I tried to find out my way out of Chicago and I went to see All Out. Oh my gosh, it was impossible. They have it. They have a store. It's like um, the Walmart of total wine, Dave. It's called Blinkies. So wow. it's like total wine and how massive it is, but it's right. so unorganized and messy like a Walmart. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, if he's it in Arizona, is. you got Sierra Nevada. Ooh,
0: Torpedo, an extra IPA. That's, that's their base.
1: That's like Surly uh, Furious is to Surly. That's their – but they have some, some of their specialty IPAs that are just out of this world. Mm-hmm. And, of course, West Coast, you can't leave the West Coast without talking about Stone IPA. And Stone Brewery makes a ton of stuff that's all over the West.
0: Yeah, um, Stone is very good. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, Elysian, Space Dust. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good national brand. It's an Imperial, 8.1%. It's going to be an ass-kicker in a good way. You're going to enjoy your ass-kicking. So, well, there's uh, been yes, a Nick. few
1: times I've done GMG in the raw after the game, after pounding a six-pack during a three-hour football game of those, and uh, felt Ooh, every minute of it. it was yeah.
0: Yep. Um, Nick, go ahead and send me your recommendations. I'd love to hear them. Um In the meantime, Dave, um, the one thing we always say on this show, thank you for letting us turn your Mondays purple and Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings.
1: Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe and ring the bell and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout out goes to our partners, the daily Norseman where the best Vikings content can be found and to Lake monster brewing. Home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull everybody.